Well, hello everyone. Today is October 5th, 2021. My name is Byron Howell and this is the Byron Howell Ministries podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Last time we talked about the baptism with the Holy Spirit and I showed you from God's word that God wants everyone baptized with the Holy Spirit. One spiritual gift or spiritual outworking that comes with the baptism with the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. Now, in the same way the devil has fought against the baptism with the Holy Spirit, the devil has fought against speaking in tongues, for the devil knows that speaking in tongues is a powerful spiritual exercise and a wonderful gift from God to his people. Now, look, don't, don't, uh, you know, hang up just yet. Don't turn this off just yet, especially if you're sitting there thinking, oh, gosh, you know, here we go. Um, look, I just want you to know that I understand and, and I get it. But uh, I remember one time I spoke about this in church and I saw this woman get up and walk out. I mean, I wasn't 30 seconds into the message. This is a Wednesday night, uh, Wednesday night meeting we were doing one time. And, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe she had to go somewhere or something. But but, you know, this is a controversial subject. And and today we are going to really look at at all the different facets of this, show you why it's so important, why it's so wonderful, uh, how the Bible has this for everyone. And we're also going to look at, you know, some of the arguments against this and some of the potential uh, biblical passages that people use to say that this is not for today or that, you know, this is inappropriate or that this whole thing is a misinterpretation but but in short, you know, praying in tongues is a biblical topic. So don't form any ideas about the subject without, you know, going through the Word of God for yourself, learning about it for yourself. And I think you're going to find what I have to say today very interesting. And, um, and, and you know, I just know that I've been blessed going by, uh, you know, go, going through these verses, going through these passages. And I believe it's really going to bless you as well. So uh, I'm going to show you really a lot of what the Bible says about speaking in tongues and sort of some of the different kind of manifestations of that, the different ways that shows up in the Bible. And our first passage today comes from Mark chapter 16, verse 17, where Jesus says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. All right, so... That's one thing that Jesus says, you know, while he's still on the earth, he died, he rose again, he's back with the disciples. This is before he, right before he goes back to heaven. And he's telling them, you know, go into the whole world, preach the gospel. These signs will follow them that believe. And as we've mentioned, this passage specifically covers us. We are the, the current result of this statement, right? That, that there would be believers that believe through the ministry of the disciples, through the ministry of the apostles. They took the word of God, they spread it to the world, and it has even reached us today. Praise the Lord. So we're the believers that Jesus is talking about, and he's saying these signs shall follow them that believe. And he tells us that these are two of the signs, that we would drive out demons and speak in new tongues. And again, you know, that's you and us, you and I. These 2,000 years later, give or take, we're in that group of believers and these signs should follow us. Now, look, we're not going to just end it right there. 
But I do think that that's persuasive. And I've already described over the past week how Jesus' authority over unclean spirits comes to all believers and how all believers can be casting out demons. That was actually uh, two weeks ago when I talked about the authority and power for healing. I highly encourage you to listen to that because that's just very powerful, very important about understanding how we walk in power and authority from the kingdom of God. But so uh, all believers should be casting out demons. And in the same way, all believers can speak in new tongues. That doesn't mean that all believers automatically cast out demons or speak in new tongues. I'm sure you know many believers that don't do either one of those. But they can. They all can. We all can. And we need to be learning about it from God's word so we can start walking in this. And I just want to quickly point out, you know, Jesus said, they will speak in new tongues. And I want to look at that word new quickly. In the Greek, that is the word kainos, and it means new. Uh, no big surprise there. So now let's look at what happens in Acts chapter 2. This is verses 1 through 8. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? So this passage, as you know, shows when the believers first received the baptism with the Holy Spirit, or at least you probably know that. As part of that experience, the Bible says they began to speak in other tongues. Now, as I'm sure you understand, in English, the words new and other are different. And it's the same in the Greek as well. Remember Mark 16, Jesus said the, they will speak in kainos tongues or new tongues. But here in Acts chapter 2, we see the believers speaking in other tongues. And that Greek word is heteros. Uh, and that means other or different. And we should also note that the people hearing the disciples speak in tongues say, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And the word our further signifies that the disciples were miraculously speaking in other existing human languages. So based on these verses alone, is it possible that speaking in other human languages that were existing is what Jesus was talking about? I guess, I guess so. Sure it is, right? We have here the baptism with the Holy Spirit and believers speaking with tongues that are new to them. They're not uh, new to the world at large, but they're new to them. And uh, because the other native language, uh, excuse me, because the other native speakers of those languages understand them, uh, maybe that's what they were talking about. But it's also possible that this is some other manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and we should see what else the Bible has to say about it. You see, in Acts chapter 8, as we looked at last time in our Baptism with the Holy Spirit uh, study, in Acts 8, when the Samaritans were baptized in the Holy Spirit, it doesn't say specifically 
that they spoke in tongues. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but that doesn't help our analysis today. In Acts chapters 10 and 19, while it does say the Gentiles and the Ephesians spoke in tongues, it doesn't say whether there were new or other tongues. There's just no adjective there, so those don't help either. Interestingly, aside from Acts chapter 2, there is not another biblical instance where someone speaks and another person miraculously hears in their own existing language. And I've heard of this happening with various people in the world today. I know a woman, she doesn't speak Spanish. She talked about speaking in tongues and this other lady understood in perfect Spanish. Um, Look, I wasn't there, but I trust the lady that told this story very much. I've known her a very long time. Another pastor friend of mine that I also trust completely had a similar experience when he was worshiping in church one night. So I believe it does happen. It does happen today, but it doesn't happen anywhere else in the Bible other than Acts chapter 2. However, the Apostle Paul does write at length about speaking in tongues in the book of 1 Corinthians. So let's direct our attention there. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. So I just read that because in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14, Paul is going to teach us on spiritual gifts. We certainly can't go through all of it now, but I think we can get a lot for our study on speaking in tongues. And that verse 1 in chapter 12 really sets up the discussion that we're having about spiritual gifts. Verse 7, again, 1 Corinthians verses, uh, chapter 12, verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between Spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. So Paul says that one spiritual gift is speaking in different kinds of tongues. The word translated as different kinds there is genos, which refers to nations, kindreds, families, groups, races, etc. So there is a spiritual gift where people speak in different languages of different people groups. I think it's pretty obvious that is the spiritual gift we see in operation in Acts chapter 2, when the people heard the disciples praising God in their native languages. But look at the very next spiritual gift. Paul calls it the interpretation of tongues. So some people have a spiritual gift of interpreting some languages. We must point out that as far as we know, biblically speaking, there was no interpreter present in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Those listeners, those devout Jews from every nation, miraculously heard in their own languages without any interpreter. That's what made it a miracle. If there had been an interpreter, we wouldn't be talking about it, all right? So obviously, we have two different spiritual operations going on. We have people with the spiritual gift of speaking in known tongues, where the hearers don't need any interpreter. They're, they're miraculously speaking, and uh, you know somehow the people listening 
hear their own language, their own genos tongues, their heteros tongues, the tongues that they already know, they miraculously hear that way. So that speaking in tongues, that's one type of spiritual gift. However, we have other people with the gift of interpreting tongues. So if there's no interpreter in that instance, nobody's going to understand. So we need an interpreter to speak, a, to to uh, interpret this particular language. Now let's go towards the end of chapter 12, 28 verse 30. Excuse me, verses 28 through 30. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret. So this is later in 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul is continuing this discussion. And I present this specifically to discuss... Paul's questions, do all speak in tongues? All right, see, once again, he's listing the gifts. He follows the same pattern when he's listing the gifts, and he's pointing out that this is a spiritual gift that's been placed in the church. It's the same Greek word, genos, tongues here. And he walks through that list to point out that not everyone has these gifts. Not everyone's an apostle. Not everyone's a prophet. Not everyone's a teacher. And again, he says not everyone, uh, you know, ha speaks in tongues. And he's specifically referring to this gift of speaking in uh, Geno's tongues, different kinds of known human languages. And he then goes on to say not everyone has a spiritual gift of interpreting. So, so some people use the question, do all speak in tongues, to suggest that many, many people should not speak in tongues, right? That, that, that no manifestation of speaking in tongues is, is applicable to the vast majority of humanity because of what Paul says there. I mean, it's, it's really surprising how broad they make that statement. But anyway, that's a very common message that Paul said, do all speak in tongues, therefore the vast majority of humanity should, should not have any manifestation of speaking in tongues. But you see, that's really an incorrect reading of the Bible. That is removing the verse from the context and changing its meaning. What Paul is saying there is that everyone doesn't have the spiritual gift of speaking in Geno's tongues miraculously speaking in the different languages of different people groups. Uh, do, all mirac do all people miraculously speak such that others hear in their native language? No. No, they don't. Not everyone has that spiritual gift. So when Paul is saying not everyone has the, that gift, that's what he's talking about. What we see in Acts 2 where people miraculously hear in their known languages. But let's continue. There's so much more. So we have the spiritual gift of speaking in Geno's tongues or heteros tongues, which we can tie specifically to what happened in Acts chapter 2. But we also have Jesus's statement that people would speak in new tongues, kinos tongues. And we also still need to understand the role of the interpreter. Why do we need an interpreter? And if all the listeners hear in their own language, if that's the only 
speaking in tongues that the Bible talks about, then what's the role of the interpreter? So 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Okay, whoa, what is going on here? You see, you and I come to this passage with knowledge of the various belief systems in the world and the various denominations, with knowledge that certain Pentecostal weirdos, you know, like yours truly, believe big time in speaking in tongues, with the knowledge that many people don't believe it at all. But you see, just just drop all that for a minute. Pretend for a moment that you don't know any of that. And we're going through this together, book by book, straight through the Bible, learning about this for this first time. That's what we're trying to do today. So we've seen a number of verses and occurrences involving speaking different tongues. But now we get to this passage. And you see very clearly, so you may not realize this, but if you go straight through the Bible with fresh eyes, something very different is taking place here. And so read that verse 2, verse 2 again. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. What is this talking about? This is obviously not talking about what happened in Acts chapter 2, where literally everyone understood them, right? This is not what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where a person is speaking in in different kinds of tongues, because at least someone would understand them. No, this is something different. In this case, no one understands them. That's exactly what Paul says here. With this type of speaking in tongues, no one understands other than God and potentially an interpreter. We'll come back to that. So this must be something different. This is, when you study it carefully like we're doing today, obviously a different type of spiritual speech or spiritual utterance. In the first instance, God's people speak in tongues that other people miraculously hear in their own languages. But in this instance, God's people speak in tongues and no one understands. My friend, I don't know if you realize this, but but we are in this podcast, we are going through and we are resolving questions that people have needlessly argued about for years, centuries. But here's the point. There are two different kinds of speaking in tongues. In one type, those who hear hear, understand what's being said in their native language, and it's a miracle. In the other type, the people who hear don't understand unless there's an interpreter. So let's take a few minutes looking at that one. In this type of speaking in tongues, the speaker is speaking to God. Remember that Jesus said believers would speak in new or kainos tongues. And it certainly sounds to me like that's what we're talking about. These are new languages that no one understands except God and unless there's an interpreter. 1 Corinthians 14, 5 now. 
I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, fourteen, chapter 14, verses 27 to 28. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at most three should speak one at a time and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. The Bible is clear. If someone is speaking in an unknown tongue in a public church setting, there should be one to interpret what is said. This is the spiritual gift of interpretation of tongues. That you need an interpreter because this is a kynos tongue, a new tongue, and no one understands. And the interpretation is a spiritual gift. It's a miracle. The person isn't interpreting a known human language, but a new or an unknown tongue that is being spoken. And in my experience, uh, this practice is basically forbidden in the vast majority of American churches. And there's lots of reasons for that. A lot of places it's outright forbidden. Uh, in many places, it just doesn't show up because there's no teaching or the church is going to think it's too weird. There's And there's biblical support for that. I'm not saying there's not. But unfortunately, it's largely forbidden. And that's a tragedy because to a huge extent, this particular spiritual gift has been lost to the body of Christ. And 1 Corinthians 14 verse 39 even specifically says, do not forbid speaking in tongues. But I digress. Is there anything more? Can we see any other application for the gift of speaking in tongues? There's actually much more. You see, Jesus said that believers would speak in new tongues. But Paul tells us that all believers don't speak in different human languages and all believers don't interpret. So is there something available for everyone? Jesus' statements about the signs that would follow believers, including speaking in new tongues, certainly seem to apply to everyone. So let's look at Paul's some of Paul's other statements about speaking in an unknown tongue, and let's review some of what we've already read. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Verse 4, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. Verses 14 through 15, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. When a person speaks in an unknown tongue, they are speaking directly to God. When a person speaks in an unknown tongue, they are speaking mysteries by the Spirit of God. When a person speaks in an unknown tongue, they are edifying themselves. Literally, their born-again, perfect spirit is praying. You see, we could talk all day about those four sentences alone. Do you, do you hear those and want them for your life? You certainly should. Because... I think 1 Corinthians 14, 14 through 15 is probably the most important here. If you are praying in an unknown tongue, your spirit is praying. Paul says that this is praying with his spirit. 
As we consider this, we should also remember that 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, But whosoever is united with the Lord is one spirit with him, or in one with him in spirit. You see, when you become a Christian, your spirit is born again and instantly united with God's spirit. As we have discussed in other teachings, you now have a unified spirit with God's spirit. That's really what Jesus was saying. Remember, we all talk about Jesus is with me. God is with me. They live inside me. Well, how? How do they live inside you? It's because they share the Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit comes to live inside you and literally unifies you with God. You have a joint spirit with God. That's how you are present both here on earth and seated at the right hand of God right now in heaven is through this unified spirit that you have. And this is one of the most wonderful truths of all. But when you are praying in an unknown tongue, your spirit, which is united with God's spirit, is praying. You are edifying yourself in the spirit realm and you are speaking mysteries directly by the spirit of God. How are you speaking these mysteries? It's because God's spirit is delivering them directly to your spirit, which you are now praying. Praying in an unknown tongue is one of the most important ways we receive revelation directly by God's spirit. And I also encourage you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 for why that's so important. When you are praying in a new or an unknown tongue, you are praying in the spirit. Yes, I do believe you can pray in your natural language and have your spirit guide those prayers. I hope that I'm doing that every time I'm praying for someone. I'm on the prayer team at church. I'm trusting God to pray through me every single time. And I'm not praying in tongues. There's no interpreter. That wouldn't be right. I'm praying in English and believe in God. The Holy Spirit guides my prayers. But beyond any argument, when you are praying in a new or unknown tongue that no one understands, you are praying in the Spirit. And maybe there are other forms of praying in the Spirit, but I'm honestly not positive about that, right? Just because your English language prayer or whatever your language is, is being led by the Holy Spirit, that does not mean that you are praying in the spirit. I don't think we can say that beyond, you know, with true biblical certainty. However, what we are positive about, what we can say with biblical certainty is that when you are praying in a new tongue, you are praying in the spirit. Romans 8, 26 through 27. In the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for people in accordance with God's will, or in accordance with the will of God. When you are praying in the Spirit, when you are praying in a new tongue, God's Spirit is joining with your Spirit to intercede and pray for you according to God's perfect will. When you are praying in the Spirit, God's Spirit is helping us in our human lim limitations. You see, when you put it all together, look at this amazing, amazing reality. When you pray in a new tongue, when you pray in the Spirit, God is literally praying for you. And why would God want to do that? 
Because in your natural thinking, you don't know exactly what to pray for. You need God who knows everything to pray for you. And that's what he wants to do. And I'm sorry, but this is so next level. This is so powerful. I'm going to say it again. When you are praying in the spirit, God himself, who knows exactly what you should pray, is praying the perfect prayer through your mouth. He is interceding for you. He's praying out revelation for your life. He's speaking mysteries. And he is praying exactly what you should pray. You know, some of you might be wondering why God would help you or literally pray for you or something like that. And we can't get into that too deeply. But in short, and you probably know this, prayer is extremely important. Some things are just not going to happen without pray, without prayer. If Christians don't take their authority and speak what we need to speak, binding, loosing, praying, commanding, declaring, requesting, if we don't do those things, they are not there are things that will not happen in the earth. That's just the way it is. Some words need to be spoken into the natural realm in our natural language. And some words need to be prayed out in the spiritual language, in our new tongues. You see, God wants to pray through your mouth. That's just a powerful, powerful reality. Jude chapter 1 verse 20. There's only one chapter, but Jude verse 20. But ye, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. That's the end of the quote. When you are praying in the Holy Spirit, you are building yourself up on your most holy faith. Now, look, and I just want to be honest. I'm not saying I fully understand that or any of this. I'm not claiming complete revelation here. But I know that I want to build myself up on my most holy faith. And in the Greek, and this is no surprise, really, the word for building up come from the same word which is translated as edify in 1 Corinthians which is translated as edify in 1 Corinthians 14:4 anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves they are really the same word building up yourself and edifying yourself it's really the same word but the Jude version has a prefix that makes it even stronger The fact that both verses talk about this practice of building up or edifying the one who is praying further establishes the connection between praying in tongues and praying in the Holy Spirit. Moreover, this verse also establishes a connection between faith and praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues. We've talked about the extreme importance of faith in our other teachings, and I encourage you to listen to my teachings about living by faith. But suffice it to say, learning that praying in new tongues builds me up on my faith is awesome. And that further encourages me to be praying in tongues and praying in the Spirit. But looking at these awesome passages in Romans and Jude, do you think God wants these blessings for some believers or for all believers? Both Jude and Romans are directed to all Christians. All Christians should speak in new tongues just as believe, as as Jesus said that all believers would speak in new tongues. All believers should pray in the Spirit. These gifts are open for all believers. God wants all believers built up on their most holy faith. God wants to pray through and intercede for all believers. Praying in unknown tongues 
It is an extremely important gift that Jesus has given to all the church. And this is also commonly referred to as a person's prayer language. Interestingly enough, the message translation actually uses that phrase. And you might want to check that out sometimes in these verses we're looking at. There are times when we should pray in an unknown tongue in a public church setting if an interpreter is present. You know, good luck finding that these days. But anyway, it still should happen according to the Bible. If that happens and there's an interpreter present, the church will be blessed. But in your personal life, which is what I want to focus on today, in your personal prayer time, you need to be praying in your new prayer language. You need to be praying in the Spirit directly to God, edifying yourself, speaking mysteries for your life and God's kingdom. You need to let the Holy Spirit of God pray through you. You need to have this gift. 1 Corinthians 14, 5 again. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. That's what Paul said, verses 18 through 19. Paul again. I think I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Paul clearly prayed in tongues a lot. And Paul wanted everyone to speak in these unknown tongues. These two statements alone show us how important praying in tongues is to Paul. Maybe Paul regularly spoke tongues in the church setting with an interpreter. We don't know. There is not a single biblical record of that happening. But what I do believe we can say for sure because of what we just read is that Paul spent a lot of time praying in tongues privately, and so should we. There's a lot more we could say about this, and I probably will in future teachings. I believe, honestly, I believe that when we pray in the Spirit because God's Spirit is praying perfectly for us, that the entire spirit realm is being affected to remove hindrances and bring manifestation to our lives of our prayers and bring God's will into the earth. That's how important I really believe this is. Praying in the spirit is absolutely praying in tongues. You know, there may be other instances of praying in the spirit where you're, you're not praying in new tongues, but, but teaching that would require a biblical reading that I feel is shaky at best. If someone describes praying in the spirit apart from praying in tongues, which you do here, uh, I, I bet it's, they don't believe in tongues. That's, that's most common. You know, no one argues that praying in the spirit is passed away or that it's not for everyone. So if they don't believe in new tongues, then they have to come up with some other definition for praying in the spirit. But those definitions just aren't nearly as biblically solid as the definition of praying in the spirit is praying in the new, in new tongues, which is absolutely what Paul teaches us. So lastly, I want to briefly address the principal biblical argument against speaking in tongues. And in my opinion, it's so weak that really I'm wasting your time. But the devil has made this argument so prevalent in the church, so widely adopted, despite its weakness, that I think we need to address it. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 8 through 10. Quote, Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where are, there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part... And we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Now, look, there is no question that at some point praying in new tongues will cease. I think it would be unbiblical to say otherwise. Many people believe that both the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy have already passed away based on that verse I just read. 
And they commonly teach that now that we have God's complete word in, in the form of the Bible, these things have passed away. However, that is an incorrect reading of this passage. First of all, when completeness comes, as it says, prophecies will cease, tongues will be stilled, and knowledge will pass away. Very clearly, knowledge has not passed away. Just as an example, and I'm a big believer in letting the Bible interpret the Bible, by the way. Just as an example, the book of Second Peter tells us at least twice that we should add to our knowledge and grow in knowledge. Surely the Bible in my hand can't both signify the passing away of knowledge and the very knowledge that I'm supposed to gain. That would render Peter's statements meaningless and impossible. You know, 2 Corinthians 8, written after 1 Corinthians 13, and by the same author, Paul, says that we should abound in knowledge. And it's just an impossible read to say that the Bible's creation signifies the passing away of knowledge and the death of prophecy and tongues. And just for one other point, the word completeness is rendered perfect in some other translations, but that doesn't really matter either. Either Those opposing tongues from this perspective suggest that word refers to the Bible we now have, as I've already stated, but I'm honestly not sure how they get there. We could talk a lot about that word perfect or completeness, but it definitely doesn't just refer to the written word of God. I think the best translation might be fully developed spiritually, and it is most commonly used to describe a spiritually mature person. No, we're supposed to use the ministry gifts that we have, use the Word of God to, to grow up and mature and become complete and perfect. It's not just saying that now that we have the Word of God, you know, knowledge has passed away and that's, that's the completeness described. There's no tongues. There's no prophecy. No, that, that's a huge unbiblical stretch, but unfortunately very, very prevalent. You know, there will come a day when we are with God through our physical death or Jesus' return. We will then lose any relationship with our original sin nature. We will have unhindered unity with and access to God's Spirit and all the revelation of God. We will know everything. We have no limitations. At that time, we will be fully developed spiritually. And at that time, all lower level kind of human knowledge will, will pass so far beneath us that we may never consider it again. Once we reach that level, no, I don't think we'll need tongues anymore. A complete unity with the Holy Spirit, absolute knowledge of what God's will is, God wants to pray. No, I don't think we'll need tongues at that time. But but we, we're not there yet. You know, we're not to the point where we know all mysteries and we're built up in our most holy faith and fully edified. No, we're not there yet. Uh, we need to be praying in the Spirit. We need to be building ourselves up on our most holy faith and edifying ourselves and allowing the Spirit of God to intercede through us. We need to be praying in tongues now more than ever and, and spending a lot of time doing it. Look, if you already have this gift, if you already speak in new tongues, that's awesome. And I encourage you to spend more time doing it. I like to pray in the Spirit for an hour as I walk. That's that's one way I stay focused. If I'm praying in the Spirit around my house, I'm going to start cleaning stuff or moving stuff around, thinking about stuff. No, I get out, walk, pray in the Spirit. It keeps my mind focused on the things of God. 
And I also encourage you to pray for interpretations, as Paul teaches us in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 13. You know, Andrew Womack talks about that, and I think it's great. You know, you spend some time praying in your prayer language, praying in the Spirit. After that, you know, the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. What comes to your mind? What what do you believe the Spirit of God is revealing to you after you pray for an interpretation? What is the will of God being revealed to your mind? You know, we need to pray in the Spirit and then pray for more for interpretation so we get more understanding and edification for our lives, especially as concerning God's perfect will for our lives. Look, if you don't yet speak in new tongues, Jesus said that believers would speak in new tongues. Not everyone is going to miraculously speak in other known languages or speak in such a way that people miraculously hear in their known native language. But all believers can speak in new tongues, as Jesus said. All believers can and should pray in the Spirit. You need to be praying in the Spirit and edifying yourself. You need to be building yourself up, and we need the intercession of the Holy Spirit. The ability to speak in new tongues comes when a Christian receives the baptism with the Holy Spirit, and Jesus wants you to have both. If you would like to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit and the gift of speaking in new tongues, please reach out to me or another Christian friend in your life who already has these gifts. We can pray together and you can receive these blessings anytime you want. I'm also happy to share more materials with you so that you can further study and grow your faith in these blessings. Thank you so much for your time. I can't encourage you enough to continue praying about this, continue studying about this. But if you if you feel pull a pull of any kind in your heart saying, yeah, you know what? I want that. I want to be praying in the spirit the way the Bible talks about it. I want to be building myself up. I want to be edifying myself. I want to let the spirit of God pray the perfect will of God through me. I want that right now. If you feel that in the slightest, please. Like I said, reach out to me, reach out to another Christian friend. That's the Spirit of God saying, you know, now's your time. Uh, Get this gift, get this prayer language, and let's go. Uh, And I just can't encourage you enough. So please reach out to me or another Christian friend. And uh, guys, thank you again. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.